Hey, hey, y'all. This is Farah, aka Bunny. I'm going Farah today. So, I want to tell you my advice, and um, honestly, do what's best for you. What's best for you is not something that is for everybody. It's not universal. Uh, what could work for me may not can work for you. I know that. There's just a lot of different ways to think, to learn, to understand the ways in life around you and to go about that. And I'm just like, you know, do what's best for you. Okay. And that's going to be relative, but it's like through trial and error, you'll definitely find what works for you. Okay. And I'm just seeing how when it comes to either, you know, going about what you love, you know, what you love may be very different from what, you know, your family grew up on and their cultural values. And I definitely um, just want to support anybody out there who's going through something. And I know, like, there's soon to be grads coming up soon for May, um, for June. And literally, like, y'all, like, do what's best for you. What's best for you may not be what you always been told okay you got to find out what it is okay and it's so hard and it's easier said than done but I think that there needs to be a bit of positivity a bit of uh strength in that and finding that may not you know some people may come from supportive families or they may not and you just need to know that like do what's best for you because what's best for you may not be what you've always known it's time to go on a self journey but yeah um today my song of the day is you on my arm by leith ross i found them on tiktok and um i know a lot of people find uh different people and musical artists on tiktok and leith ross is one of those people that i literally was just like you know like their voice is so unique and i really like how they have a very poetic and wholesome feel to their music, but You On My Arm is the epitome of that. It's the epitome of that. Like, I'm not even lying. Like, I just, I just love it. I sit there and I can replay it over and over and over again, and that's just what I do because it's such a nice, hopeless, romantic type of song and it depicts queer romance in such a wholesome way that it's just so sweet um so yeah I it's so sweet it's so sweet and it's so lovely I think that anybody would like it and it reminds me of how um Tracy Chapman first got on and how you know this was somebody who you know they never clearly uh stated explicitly their sexuality but you know she was a stud um, don't know like what they go by now or what the case may be because they never ever like explicitly stated that but Tracy Chapman literally reached out to such a wide demographic because of their talent like it just went beyond that and like it's so funny to see the type of people who listen to their music because like the people like it's just so interesting it's just like the people are just from all over all walks of life and it's just Talent will speak to all. Talent will speak to all. And that's how I feel about Leith because I think Leith will speak to all. It doesn't matter where you come from, how you how you identify yourself. But that right there will touch you. You on your arm will touch you because it's so sweetly put. That's all I got to say. So um, today's episode, I want to talk about how dating shows are terrible dating shows are literally terrible now I'm not even an avid dating show watcher I will watch stuff with my mom she's a reality show fanatic like she loves that and I'll watch with her from time to time I'm not one to really watch like in chronological order I'm more like oh let's find out the outcome I'll watch the reunion oh who's this oh let me go on TikTok and figure out like you know, their persona through clips because I don't really like watching it full out, but she doesn't. I hear about her opinions and I hear about like people's opinions and I look at them. I put my own opinion. I'm like, okay, like, you know, 
um, really view like the contestants, but I don't really like watch it. But I just am sick of it, you know. And that's from like Love Is Blind, Love at First Sight, uh, Love Island, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and I'm. It's like so many. It's so many. Oh my gosh, so many. You just can't keep up. You can't keep up. Like there's a new one coming out every day every day on a new platform with new people and I think the interesting thing about it is that it's very curated and it it's very interesting because they never pick people outside of like this influencer um type of vibe like everyone is desirable in a way where they're socially acceptable in some form um because I noticed like a lot of people have like the same type of like style or like the same genre of style in terms of like their dress or uh, what they do like they tend to pick people who are desirable in terms of like their lifestyle and especially like people who are socially acceptable like through physical looks and um you know coming from a well-rounded family or coming from a well-rounded lifestyle or you made something out of yourself um they do love a good come up story like oh like you grew up poor and all of a sudden you made this business and they love that in a reality show um that's something that you see like all across the board whether it's a dating show or not um and it's just really interesting to see but the people like I've never seen anyone up there like say like I rarely see like you know someone who's emo or someone who's like um earthy or someone who's like you know in a very different style of working or someone who's like you know really unorthodox with their lifestyle or whatever the case may be like they're very conventionally attractive and social socially acceptable people like they are in the eyes of the public they're in the eyes of the public when it comes to their career as well um a lot of times like you already know who the contestant is because they're an influencer or they're this and it's just really interesting um and I don't know I just always look at reality shows specifically dating shows through a lens of like qualitative research I'm not looking solely and only through the lens of like oh like they're not mature and you know they don't seem to be developmentally like you know ready for a relationship but um also look in terms of like what the end goal is for the producers for the experiment in itself and I just think we should talk about it like love is blind is interesting because like it's its own in its own right because the experiment itself is unorthodox because when do you ever see a a show where someone just you know you don't see their physical and you create a whole emotional bond without seeing each other first and then you decide to be coupled um I like this idea in theory and I feel like the first season was very good in terms of keeping their policies and regulations strict for the sake of the experiment but I think over time as popularity um with the show grown they just loosened up they really loosened up you got people just kind of muddling uh just so many different variables and the effect of not seeing or knowing who you're talking to because like the contestants end up like um just talking to everyone else and like figuring out like what everyone else is doing and it's it becomes what it wasn't supposed to be and I remember the first season especially with Cameron and Lauren they were really strict with that like they were like you know like we're separated we all come in on the girl side but like we you know we just we don't talk about it and we don't do this and we just try to make sure that we just go on through this process positively and we are trying to keep everything just separated now as the show has gained so many different audiences y'all I noticed that the contestants they'll be talking to me like oh who do you like they'll be like oh yeah so who do you do this I'm like wait they didn't do this in the first season like y'all weren't allowed to do that I don't know what's really changed if they want to add some more drama for the case and try to add in some confounding variables and making it like a little bit um more difficult to understand what really attracted someone to another but adding all of those factors where people all of a sudden now they can talk to the rest of their uh same gendered uh contestants about the love lives I'm just like what like that wasn't 
the case originally like what happened to the plot what happened to keeping the validity of the experiment and I don't know I don't know what they plan on doing but I really do hope that in the end that they publicize their results as much and as heavily as they publicized and marketed love is blind like I'm I'm wanting to know I'm wanting to know what they found I'm wanting to know what it is and I think that it's something that we definitely should look at because you know that's really like it's its first of its kind and when you think of um married at first sight I actually hate married at first sight I hate hate married at first sight because it's kind of the opposite in experiment in comparison to love is blind because like they meet people and they meet them and it's like okay like you get to know them physically, emotionally, all at once, whereas Love is Blind breaks it up, and you get to know them emotionally first, and then you see them physically, and you build that bond later. A lot of times, dating shows are very physical, very lustful, and it's just like, okay, this is just like an attraction, popularity contest, like, you know, who's the most attractive? Like, that's what it gives most of the time, and I just, I'm like, you know, it shows how a lot of the relationships don't have depth and how they don't have, um, they just don't last. And it's very interesting and common, especially with the shows that are very physically driven. Um, but I want to say Married at First Sight just doesn't fit for me because I don't see a lot of work being done beforehand. I just feel like they need more uh, policies in place. I don't feel like they do enough background checks or thorough background checks for the people that come on there. I've just seen so many people that came on there and they've been an utter terror to someone else because they weren't emotionally ready or stable or mentally like they just weren't able. And I'm like, y'all, like um what's going on um like what is going on here and I feel like they don't want to tackle the they don't want to pierce the veil when it comes to the issues it's kind of like they do like this like kind of they talk around the issue sometimes and it's just like why is this so repetitive like you know and I feel like the people that end up being played or manipulated because a lot of times I've seen so many people just be manipulated on that show and they just go through like a traumatic experience because like one, you're getting your heart toyed with with somebody who isn't ready, but they said they were ready for love. And then two, it's publicized and it's on national television and it's like you have to deal with this in real time um, by yourself, but then deal with it again later when it's aired. It's just like a lot. It's a lot. And I feel like the people that have a terrible experience should be reimbursed um but I just feel like their experiments they don't stick to the plot they just kind of just go it's like it's like a free-for-all with married at first sight and they're like okay let's get these married these uh marriage counselors here and we'll see what we can do but when they see what they can do quote-unquote I feel like it's just not enough and they just don't talk about the main issues I feel like when they do talk about it it's more so like um surface it's surface level and I just really don't like that and I feel like you know people deserve more than that and I only say that just because like these people are going through it because it's a hit or miss with the person that you're paired up with and it's like when y'all paired up these people mind you what was it like they don't like what was it like I want to know what type of what did they use? What survey did y'all use? Like, who, like, backed this up scientifically? Like, what did y'all, like, use to collect the data? Because they don't be saying nothing. They be like, we pair these people up, and here we go, and we're going to see them at the altar, and we're going to see how that goes. And it's just like, what? And then you see people just aren't feeling each other. And it's really annoying because it's all so much all at once. Um, Yeah, I just don't really like married at first sight because it's not even, like, dating like everyone else. It's like you're married at first sight it's just a lot to break down all at once and it's very overwhelming I could see why people are overwhelmed when it comes to that so yeah 
um, Love Island. Uh, Love Island is literally like that's that conventional popularity contest. Like that's such a sexual and lustful environment. Like none of that ever gives real. None of that ever gives like a lasting relationship. Like the most I ever see in terms of all dating shows is maybe friendships. Maybe a friendship. That's the most I see. Um, I don't know. I think about it. Yeah. I don't see anything else lasting outside of that. Like I'll see people following each other, of course, on social media or a sporadic, you know, TikTok video here or there when they're, you know, hanging out. But outside of that, I do not see these shows doing what they say they can do. Um, and I will say love is blind. Um, you know, everyone saw the first season, just the genuity and connection that Lauren and Cameron had, because first of all, that season, they kept the policies and regulations that was strict. They were like, you know, no one is to talk about their love lives. No one is to talk about any of the other contestants. Y'all talk about anything else. Y'all bond, y'all bond and y'all, you know, mingle when it comes to each respective, uh, room, but you really saw that Cameron and Lauren really have, they've just blossomed ever since then. They have their own, like, YouTube channel. They have their Instagrams. Like, they've taken off, and they're, like, the best example of the show. And I think over time, it just kind of decreased in their validity because of how you don't see them enforcing those rules where they're like, okay, contestants can't talk about their love lives. Now you see people like Arena and everyone else like eavesdropping and laughing at people crying and people just openly talking about like who they were paired with and what they did and how they're not committed to them anymore. And it's just like, okay, like what happened? Like what happened to the plot and why are y'all doing this? Is it for the sake like is it for the sake of drama and ratings or are y'all completely um just disregarding the original conclusion and results like of the show like is a social experiment no more is it not to be studied anymore like I'm like what is going on because them talking and doing all of that leads to a lot of different um variables that they wouldn't expect and how can you measure drama like how can you measure um how can you measure that? Because now you're telling me outside that you got to measure uh, contestants and how they feel about each other who are of the same gender. Like, and how are you measuring that? Like, what are you going? Like, I'm just like, what are y'all doing? Like, how are y'all measuring that to really see the, I just don't understand. Because I'm just like, how are y'all going about that? Because that wasn't a part of the original plot. But it's just a lot of confounding variables with that. And I just really just think that you should just kept it cute, kept it strict all throughout. And now you just kind of see the kind of muddled mess they make. Um, and that's just interesting. I feel like this most current season with like, uh, with like Irina and Zach and then now Zach and Bliss, like that's some mess. I wish them all well, but that's some mess. Um, Bliss is such a, mature person for all of that um very interesting like that I didn't even it's just very interesting and now that I think about it too like the love is blind reunion and how they really um held only Irina accountable for the mean girl antics because I was just like really confused because a lot of the clips they show they were showing of her like she was doing that along with Micah, but they were not talking to Micah about how she aided or even initiated with the stuff that was going on and how, like, you know, laughing at people crying isn't cool and laughing at people, um, you know, going through a tough situation isn't fine or meddling isn't fine. And I feel like they just kind of, like, dismissed that because they were more focused on Micah and Kwame. And I'm like, she did a lot more. And a lot of the clips they show with Irina, Micah right there with her. And that was confusing to me. And not to say, like, oh, I'm taking up defense for her, but it's just, like, you could tell, like, it was a lot to process for her. And she was coming up with all the types of excuses to really just diminish her accountability and responsibility of her just being a mean girl. And even Zach called it out, like, you know, you just came on here to be famous. You don't see the real effort of Irina in particular trying to make a connection 
it's just kind of like, okay, like, what can I do to, like, continue on the show? It just didn't seem genuine from her at all because she was so focused on just, like, everyone else. And she just seemed really insecure and immature. And I don't know. I just find it very odd how the playbacks show Irina and Micah and they just choose to talk about um, just Irina because I don't think that she was the only mean girl up there. Irina and Micah were both giving messy. But... um, how they went about all this stuff, like, I just never, like, it was just, like, messy, like, what do you mean to tell me, like, Zach was with someone else, and then he is back with Bliss, I was just like, this is messy, mind you, y'all, I did not watch, again, I don't watch them, I just kind of, like, piece it together through clips on TikTok, and what my mom says, and then I, like, watch for my own, like, um, my own perception on TikTok. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to piece it together, because I don't enjoy watching it, because it just seems so, messy like I just don't understand it but definitely we need to get into it and talk about how these shows just perpetuate harmful gendered stereotypes so overall I have here uh reality shows the messages being sent by programming depicting real relationships uh this is by Marissa T. Cohen let me make a correction Dr. Marissa T. Cohen um, this was published April 2022. Again, the title is The Messages Being Sent by Programming Depicting Quote-Unquote Real Relationships. Um, key takeaways. Researchers have found that those who viewed reality dating programs have more traditional attitudes towards dating and relationships. And it's possible that those who hold more gendered, gender stereotypical views of sex and dating are those who are more likely to seek out reality dating TV. And a limitation to their work involves their direction relationship between reality shows and attitudes. Um, that's the main point of this article. And I think it's really interesting because um, they just are very stereotypical. And uh, the article talks about how while claiming to show real people and real relationships, they display gender stereotypical behaviors as well as overtly sexualized depictions of relationship behavior. With this increase of TV, it is important to examine how shows focus on dating and relationships and how that affects our attitudes and behaviors. So there was a study done by Zerbriggan and Morgan, um, 2006. Why did I say it like that? 2006. <laughs> 2006. Uh, but it examined like 249 undergrad students between the age of 18 and 24. And typically... Um, the people in these shows tend to be about, I won't even say 18, but they tend to be like 20 to 30. They tend to be about that age range. And um, it's really interesting to see how they have the same demographic, uh, you know, taking place in the study. But they see that stronger relationships were shown between reality dating viewing and attitudes than between overall TV viewing and attitudes and specifically demonstrated that researchers found that those who watched dating shows had more traditional attitudes towards relationships. So that clearly shows that there is some influence that goes on when you're watching TV. Of course, you know, you know, there's television and there's just different names for different things, but that's also, you know, called programming, you know, shows used to be called programs. So that's not even something that I'm surprised about at all um I think like you know you just gotta find you know networks know you gotta find your target audience you gotta find the people who would tune in and who would agree basically um in addition to this study they found that the total amount of time spent watching tv reality dating tv was related to controversial sexual beliefs and the promotion of double standards when it came to sex and I think this is interesting because I think um, this is really interesting to see because I think it's like an echo chamber. Like, you know, people are going to go to what they gravitate to. And it's like explaining and understanding that the media and the outlets that you watch typically are ones that you agree with. And I think this is what we witness, especially with uh, reality dating shows, and you see that people agree, you know, even when it comes to the social media talks, they always love a, a live show, they love a, 
a hashtag to go along with their dating show so people can talk about, you know, who's their favorite or who's their least favorite or whatever the case may be. And it's so interesting because you see how people will talk about it in a way where it's just like they see a, they see it's interesting. They see it like in a binary way, like, oh, like this is all acceptable and this is what shouldn't have happened. And they'll choose, like, the lesser of the evil, in the sense, of what was shown or, like, what is more appropriate socially. And I think that's interesting because, again, these shows typically portray people that have, like, you know, a well-rounded life. They're well off at the point that they're in right now. And they show all these uh, people that come off with, like, specifically they dress a certain way. Like, you don't see people who are, like, you know dressed in alternative styles whether that be like emo or earthy whatever the case may be it's just really interesting because like women aren't supposed to be dressed in a way that's like you know you're dressed up you're just very feminine you have heels on you have your makeup done like everything is like you know everything's to the t and then you know men they know they dress like very like you know business casual or uh streetwear but it's like you know it's very interesting to see how that plays out um, definitely something that people should take into consideration, but it talks also about the belief that men are sex driven and that appearances are more important in dating and how that is what's perpetuated within reality TV shows. And I found it funny because I'm like, you know, that's very clear and obvious. And I think, um, a lot of times you just don't want to sit and critique what you're watching and like you know critically think about it because it's like you know you're just watching it you just want to be able to watch something and not have to think about it and I get it but like I feel like reality tv shows like are one of the worst things to do that with um just because of like they perpetuate such a very limited type of behavior and mindset um so yeah but just to wrap that up um they just show that the people that watch these shows they just are influenced and it's important to just understand what you're watching in the media and that people model what they see and that these radiating shows may just be harmful and that they are perpetuating stereotypes and problematic behavior and yeah I think that's very interesting again that is the message is being sent by programming depicting quote-unquote real relationships by Dr. Marissa T. Cohen. This was published uh, April 2022. Definitely think that's something that people should read about and see. I think uh, the better uh, article that I find really interesting, this lady um, who talks about uh, The Bachelor and Bachelorette. This is Dr. Shauna Springer. Again, Dr. Shauna Springer. She talks about the three disturbing new developments on ABC's The Bachelor and the Bachelorette. And this was published June 10th, 2012. This was by Psychology Today, okay? She has a case study on how this is creating unsustainable relationships, okay? I'm going to try to keep it brief because I feel like I would be the one to sit here and go on and on and on and on. So... <laughs> When it comes to this one, she, I think a lot of y'all should read this one because she goes deep and into her research. She goes deep into um, what she believes and also she supports that at the end of the day with research, some qualitative research. So she published a book, Marriage for Equals, The Successful Joint Adventures of Well-Educated Couples. And she talks about The Bachelor and ABC shows and The Bachelorette and how they manipulate people into falsehoods of love and how... There's this, like, quote-unquote cocaine rush of new relationships that make people feel like, you know, this is uh, real, genuine love. Um, she talks about how she used to watch it. Uh, she talks about how she used to watch it when it first came out in 2002, and she expected it to be off because she just saw how wayward it was, and she was uh, apparently surprised when she saw that it was still on in 2011 very interesting because she has some opinions on her the way she like words herself and talks about the show you can clearly see that she don't like the show okay 
she's going to use repetitively disturbed. She is disturbed by this show. So let's get into that. Um, she's disturbed to see that there's three additional manipulative tactics that's, that are used in the show. The first is the increased tendency for the host to plant ideas that seem to be swallowed whole by the bachelor or bachelorette. So um, the phrase in questioning, like, do you think your future wife or husband is in that room? Because it makes it seem as if, you know, setting eyes on one attractive stranger, you're going to be able to bind yourself legally and emotionally to this person for the rest of your life and it's a very emotionally manipulative statement because it's a form of psychological priming paired with an effort to convince the bachelor or the bachelorette that the path to true love requires one to trust feelings and it's just really interesting um how she goes about that and um she talks a lot about this like she talks a lot about how this is a very physical show and how everything is very curated and she goes on to say that in the 2011 cycle that um specifically with Bradley Romack and Ashley Herbert uh they would both say you know the last time I was on the show I held back from trusting my feelings this time I don't want to have any regrets because life is too short so I'm going to put myself out there and trust what I feel no matter what um and she was just like you know it swallowed this logic entirely because you have people here who are trying to like find something and it's really just curated to be a spectacle. Um, and in the end, she talks about how specifically Ashley has a history of alcoholism with her family and how she talks about, you know, after this week of dating, I can say that I think my husband is sitting in this room and she wasn't able to really say her opinion like you know like we couldn't really say that like this was her opinion because like apparently she was really like inebriated that night or something of that case and it was soon discovered that like her judgment was like just really impaired and I think that's really interesting um because why are we making such rash decisions? You got people drinking. You got people, like, just in an emotional state. And they know what they're doing. Like, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to really have people, you know, um, say, you know, this is the person I want to be with. And I, that's really depicted in different shows. But specifically in that second episode of the season. Um but the second unfortunate development is that there's the staging of narcissistic fantasies that become a part of the love story that she says. And it's like they make such a grandiose gesture that it's hard for the contestant or anyone to otherwise say no or say uh, something differently that would not go along with the plot of the quote unquote love story. Um, specifically, um, there's again she uses 2011 as an instance how Ashley goes to say I live in a fairy tale I'm going to be dancing in front of 2,000 people and I seriously got the chill and she's like you know this must be love because I feel so amazing and she just feels like this is definitely something where you're not able to just get alone time with that person this is something that's not realistic to everyone this is not sustainable to everyone like everyone's love story isn't grandiose and filled with a bunch of eyes watching you and a lot of these things they just make it more about what is what love should look like or what love um the best love should be like and it's this fantasy that's played up every time because there's always a strict guideline when it comes to like the bachelor and the bachelorette. Like this is not the first time you, you know, you hear people say, Oh, I live in a fairy tale. This is a fairy tale. They go to these like grand houses, these grand estates that people normally don't even get access to, or even a chance to even look at. And you're spending this once in a lifetime opportunity with a room full of girls or a room full of guys. And you're trying to understand, okay, like, what I want to do like everything is curated for you this is a very um curated and 
niche experience this is not something that's realistic for everybody and their viewers and their audience like their audience loves this because it's like oh this is a fairy tale this is love this is a storybook this is you know what love should be like but it isn't sustainable it isn't realistic to everyone and it isn't something where you know everything has to be picture perfect for every step or development of relationship and I think that's what they try to depict and you see that all the time like you know they're they're in the most scenic places people have to dress with heels you know they have to dress business casual or everything has to be super super just aesthetically pleasing and just really big gestures and I think that's something that you know you have to realize that there's reality tv and then there's reality um the third disturbing new development like she is going to use disturbing in this article like I think y'all should read this it's really interesting how she goes about this um she calls it the trauma pitch is when there's this unchecked expectation that contestants have to reveal their deepest trauma during their first one-to-one conversation with their bachelor bachelorette and how that's just so like um just wrong and terrible in timing because it creates this falsehood of trust and vulnerability but there's no like there's no sense of getting to know each other on a regular basis and a build up to that a build up to the vulnerable a build up to the traumatic it's just oop here's my traumatic experience like do you relate here's my traumatic experience like do you pity me or you know and it's like you know not to ever invalidate or belittle someone's experiences but that's just like a part of the show's uh formatting that's a part of the show you're supposed to do that and that's crazy because it creates this sense of vulnerability that isn't natural and it isn't genuine that should not be the first time that you talk to people and I do want to pause a second and say a little bit more because we talk a lot about this in society already and people talk about like trauma bonding and you know the way that we understand trauma bonding tends to be a little bit different than what it actually is defined by a psychologist and sociologist but uh, trauma bonding is when you go through something together with someone and you feel obligated to be their friend you feel obligated to continue being with them just because y'all went through a traumatic experience you feel like it makes them so genuine to you and to y'all's connection but it doesn't go any further than that it's just like you all both made it through a very tough time so you feel as if you have to stick it out and still be in each other's corners in each other's uh circumference and I think that's very interesting because we think trauma bonding or we socialize colloquially that trauma bonding is like oh like you're telling me about this time and you're venting to me and that's just not trauma bonding at all or trauma dumping it's just like no someone's venting to you and they're trying to talk with you and of course definitely it should be in an appropriate time I think there's um what people may experience if you're like talking to someone and you just met them like and they just start saying the most like personal off the wall stuff it's like okay maybe their trauma response is that they're oversharing not so much oh this is trauma dumping like no like but colloquially like we're gonna call it that but um we're gonna call it trauma dumping but yeah it's just very interesting to see how things are depicted and played out because we will socialize a label onto something else than what it actually is and it's very interesting um so yeah just want to clear that up because we all know about those type of instances so I think a lot of people can relate to that and like know okay like what is this and what is that and we can understand like okay trauma bonding is when you know you go through it together you know you feel obligated and trauma dumping like yeah not really trauma dumping but we know it as that but we're socialized to think that you know oversharing is that but yeah it's really interesting to see but um it's just really interesting how back to bachelorette but it's interesting to see how that trauma pitch like that is weighed and judged on how they view the person and where they want to go with that person like where they see themselves with that person and um 
the article talks about how that's a terrible model of building trust and relationships. And yeah, there's there's so much to say about that. That show is terrible. I literally can't stand that show. Um, but she goes on to say that this is not to say that true love does not exist. Love can and does work, but what is widely portrayed by the media is not love, but rather examples of unsustainable collisions. It's easy for us to be fooled because we tend to believe the cultural lore promoted so widely in the media that explosively positive feelings are the mark of true love. Um, I'll leave it at that because I definitely agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I think it's just like a positive situation, a positive environment. And then it's like, oh, this positive, you know, uh, connection. But it's just like, you know, like, do you know that person? Like, are y'all getting deep? Not in the sense of rushing a connection and making it seem as if you are close, but genuinely going on the respective uh, natural pace of y'all's connection. And most of the time, it's just rushed and unnatural the way these shows depict loved or depict how people should get together. Um, I think it's funny, actually. I do think it's funny. So um, one of the shows that I actually am in the middle of watching and I really like, I got a little bit, um, I got a little bit of wobbly right there. Y'all heard that? <laughs> I got a little bit wobbly. But um, one of the shows that I was watching and I was, uh, really interested in, I started it, but I'm, I hop TV shows like nobody's business. I'm, I'm going to watch it and I will tell y'all my in review of it, but I have hope for it because it's unorthodox before, uh, I think I think it's just unorthodox beyond its time. Not even beyond its time. I think it's just like it's overdue. Cause I'm just saying something. That's it's overdue. Okay, you have most of these reality shows, and it's straight people, white people, um, able-bodied people. You know, people who are neurotypical. People who, um, you know, maybe they, you know, don't have a sense of uh, they don't have mental illnesses. They don't they don't show like just like real life. Like everything is very like perfect curated but love trip paris something that i started watching it's on hulu's on freeform features four american girls who are quote-unquote unlucky in love in their own country and they move into a penthouse in the middle of paris to find a floor of french suitors waiting to date them y'all you would think this show was like stereotypical and like any other type of reality dating show why is this show so good like i'm not even i'm not even a reality dating show girly like I'm not. I'll I like to see I like to see the results, but I don't like to actually watch them. This one I actually like to watch. And I think it's because like they're queer and it's very interesting that they took this route because this show is really inclusive. This is probably like the most in, like the most inclusive reality dating show. Um so this is again on freeform and they really talk about just like something that I think that a lot of people were able to relate to, but they really talk about gender and sexual identity in a very expanded way, thankfully. So there's four American girls, there's Jocelyn Aguilera, there's Caroline Renner, Rose Ziaba, and Lacey Hartzell. I feel like I'm pronouncing her name wrong. I feel like I pronounced all the names wrong. Like honestly, I'm kind of running through them, but please y'all. <laughs> bear with me um but they head to France and they just basically end up like you know dating within the penthouse and so it's so interesting because like three out of the four people there are queer right and it's so interesting to see how they go about it um and I just really feel like they made some sort of history because please 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 please. what have y'all seen like three queer women on a show and they highlight them like I just never seen that and you know I was just like you know I feel like represented in this way because it's so cute and wholesome they try to get out of their comfort zone they try to get out of what they know and like how they dated in the past and the type of preference they used to go for and I think like that's something that we should really talk about um and I think this is, like, a positive example of, again, like, they go beyond the status quo. And I think it's a step in the right direction. I do not think, like, you know, like, it, you know, it, 
it covers like you know everything but i think like, this is like really it's a good step in showing something different um in terms of reality dating shows and not to say that it has to like go through like a oh yeah like we need the show to check all the boxes it needs to make sure that they have this person with that person this person with this type of thing no but it needs to be genuine it needs to be realistic i like how they make it more realistic i think this is like one of the most realistic shows um dating shows let me be clear but i still know again this is still reality tv and they're still going to always go for people who are socially acceptable and who are um reflective of the time so it's up to us as a society to really like change our norms and you know we'll be able to like you know see more people who reflect us in our society it's kind of interesting to see that but um yeah they have queer people down in there and it's so so interesting to see how it plays out and I feel like the editing is a bit weird um because like sometimes like you see they made a really good connection and then it's like okay can we see that like can I get a little bit deeper can we see that but you see that they make connections because you see like their like their reactions and their outcomes but still again I haven't finished it I definitely will talk about that um once I do finish it because the first season was put out um already um I definitely want to talk about that in the sense of seeing how it plays out um but yeah I think that that's a good way to like just see something a bit fresh um it's just it's just nice to see that and I really do think that we should do a little bit more on that. But also, I also want to talk about what we tend to see on reality TV shows, which I know my black girls and people, women of color see it often, is how racial discrimination plays a huge part in how you're um, depicted on the show and how you're treated. So I find those people. It's just a lot of fodder, a lot of mess in between there because – it's a, a large portion of them who do do that and they do practice a lot of colorism and really want to exclude black women. But it's important to know, go where you're loved, go where you're respected, and that includes partners, careers, shows, platforms, whatever the case may be. Like, go where you're loved because honestly, if your self-esteem is right, it will reflect that. And I really just hope that black women are able to just be treated better especially that be demonstrated on live television because most of the time that is not the case so i'm gonna end my time very much love talking with y'all any questions or videos whatever you have to suggest even if you want to buy me more like bye bunny out so it's really interesting to see how this plays out so a lot of times black women end up being the ones that are just completely seen as invisible or as the second option so there's a study that was actually done recently by the university of california um they were looking at the dating apps and websites and most of the websites of how they play out and what are the sociological dynamics of it and it's interesting to see that uh the gendered racism is not um new to the study or to the author and it it's very interesting this was made by a group of people so ken hu lin uh celeste carrington and jennifer lundquist i think i butchered their names i am so sorry this was published um february 14th 2021 and it talks about just the divide within race and desire in the era of online romance and so they did a lot of interviews specifically 77 and statistical analysis of how millions of daters interact with one another and how that shapes online interaction um 
there was a lot of implicit and explicit discrimination they found within social settings. Um, and that was different depending on the dating platform. Uh, with an abundance of options, there was an emphasis on visual cues and the need for speed for many black online daters feeling like they're like the most judged based on their appearance and racial background. So one of their interviewees, Sandra, a bisexual black woman, told us, even when I matched with others, I still wouldn't get a response. Um, I'm a dark-skinned black woman. Is that it? I have natural hair, and I've had natural hair for long before the natural hair movement. Could that be it? You know, a different lady, Monica, a straight black woman, shared a similar sentiment. Online dating makes me feel like kind of the way that I feel like in school, that I'm invisible and hyper-visible. Um, and I think it really is very much a white woman's market, so I feel like all the biases that people have outside in the real world, it just comes into an effect or comes into play when you're online dating. Like, you're extra-sexual and promiscuous. There's so many different stereotypes about a black women that I feel like I have to come to play and have people approach me, and I guess other black women feel like this on this, these platforms. So they talk about their own experiences and how this is something that they just do not feel respected and uh, vied for. And I get that it's like totally valid because you see it play out often in reality dating shows. Like, why is that so common? Um, but their analysis shows that white straight men are four more times likely to message a white woman than a black woman. Even when two women share Otherwise, similar characteristics, white straight women are twice as more likely to respond um, to white men compared to black men. Um, they also did a study in a different way where white daters decided to message or respond to black daters, and they found that race continued to shape each step of the encounter. Um, so here's uh, someone's personal experience. This is Damien, a 24-year-old gay man, described to us how his sexual encounter with white men usually goes. He says, Race always is brought into it whenever they say they want to flirt with you. They always mention, for example, I want your black, you know, BBC or something like that. They always put black before anything, black hands, black muscles, things like that, black bodies. They always do that. I'm sure within white races, when you get in bed with your partner, you don't say, I want your white, da-da-da. Um, so that over-sexualization, like, that's not something that just black women experience. It's just, like, black people are getting just over-sexualized and overlooked like there's only one thing that people really try to go for in terms of dating us and it's just really interesting um when it comes to um black men as well um particularly this is like a straight black man he says uh there's always this is Michael, a straight black man. Uh, there's always this expectation of our prowess in bed. So there's that expectation of like, he's kind of a thug. I'm like kind of a nerd. But some of these expectations, they, they're wrong to have. It's not like any of us see a white woman and we're like, you know, can she do my taxes? You know, and these are verbatim like their, these are their experiences. This is what was said to their interviewers um, as well. Just to give some context within that and as well as that many black women also feel like the interest from white women uh let me be clear white men uh is often sexual in nature so alicia um jamaican american tells us certain white guys i talk to online they're like i never had sex with a black girl imagine having sex with you i said to them is that all you want they respond i don't know maybe i'm just like okay that is uncomfortable one guy said i don't think we'll date but i just want to have sex with you because i never had sex with a black woman I felt so uncomfortable and I was just so annoyed. It made me very upset. I was just like, what the heck? That's why I don't think a lot of times online because I get a lot of that. And the article goes on to announce and describe how a lot of these interactions play into the Jezebel stereotype, you know, the controlling image of the sexually aggressive black woman, that type of stereotype that serves as a powerful rationale to exclude black women from meaningful relationships and being with a loving partner and other black women you know are reminded of that when you're placed in these social settings whether in person or digital when this kind of is an amplified way of our society um so Compared to white daters, they also found uh, black daters tend to have more inclusive and progressive thinking about race and dating, and this is especially true for black women. Their statistical analysis shows that black women are more likely to respond to white men's messages compared to black men's messages. 
however, this doesn't mean that black women are colorblind when crossing the racial divide. Um, that's really interesting. Um, it's interesting. Um, really trying to understand like how they've went about that, but according to a lady named Nina, a black Floridian, she says a couple months ago, I like this white guy on Bumble. He tells me I love black women. I could tell he's a type that dates black women, but he was like, I don't like when black people say black lives matter. Mm, all lives matter. We had a discussion about it and I didn't like it. Then after then, I was just like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I just stepped back. Um, as Nina pointed out, a willingness to date black women often does not mean an embrace for racial justice. One can quote unquote love black women without seeing the struggle of black women's experiences on a daily basis. Um, so they go and they talk about a lot of people's um, experiences and I just really went ahead and highlighted them and then also highlighted their, their analysis. So that's something that you can take a look at. It's definitely interesting to see how people are treated and it's talked about specifically within the book, The Dating Divide, Race and Desire in the Era of Online Romance. Again, this is by Celeste Von Carrington, Jennifer H. Lequist, and Ken Wu Lin. Uh, this also was on uh, the U University of California Press. Um, so this was published February 2021. So it's definitely something that's interesting. So you can get like a bit of understanding of how dating where it's seen almost competitively or almost seen as like okay you know people have options in a space where people are looking to do that like on an island app or a site or online or a dating show it's really not fair for a lot of people to just be going through prejudice and seeing that amplified and you're getting treated like you're this you know the last option like your chop liver because of someone else's ignorance and so you see that a lot of times when it comes to reality dating shows and it's sad and I just don't tend to like tune in because again they do have a certain look to all of the contestants like there's a type of quality that they look for within a contestant and I'm sure like I'm sure their qualifications probably come under, like, a lot of different um, background requirements need to be met. Like, oh, like, you're a part of this, and you're part of this class, and you do this and that, and where you work at, and your social media. Because it's very obvious who they choose, and that's something that we can see across different shows. But it's just really sad um, how this is always the same result for a lot of black women. Um, it's sad. And I mentioned earlier, Colony Reeves, uh, that was specifically perfect match. Colony Reeves was one of the black women who actually left perfect match. And she's a real estate agent. She's a part of selling Tampa. Like she has her own money. Like she is, really financially independent and um just on their on her own you know what I mean and it's just sad to see how um things can just happen and just for a little bit of like a social standpoint this is this is not something that's like of course like um that is something where you can basically cite but this is from Marie Claire this is not research this is social and they talk about how perfect match is terrible and it's literally titled strong black women never had a chance on perfect match Netflix's answer to love in paradise is a stark example of reality tv's racial blind spot um talks about Colony Reeves and just that overall um interaction that happened and how there was a lot oh my gosh there's a lot of like dog whistles that came along with them being there uh colony reeves she was called amazing gorgeous and a strong black woman who works for herself and you know that's something that would appear nice but nobody wants to be called strong when you really don't even know the person yet like that doesn't make any sense um how that's just this like that's just thrown out there 
because she's independent and she's financially free. Um, but it's just really interesting because she was one of those people that ended up leaving the show early. She didn't leave paired. She didn't leave when it was time to go. She left unpaired and she left willingly with another one of the contestants who's another black woman, which is ridiculous. And that phrase strong black woman may seem nice and something where you can convince somebody, but it's dehumanizing to think like, okay, like here we are, you know, you're getting called hardworking, you're getting called queen, all this stuff, boss, all this stuff. It's, it's just countless of those type of descriptors that just don't allow you to be seen for yourself because Again, they were just meeting each other. He just threw that out there because she was independent. I feel like definitely everyone on that show works and they have some sort of career. So it was like, you know, why was anybody else not called strong? And, you know, it was just like a lot of these highlights that just didn't need to be there because that was expected out of everybody. Everybody's on that show that's working. Everybody on that show is making money somehow, some way. Like to go ahead and just do, oh, she's a strong black woman who works for herself and like, the contestant, I forget, it was another black man. Um, but for him to just like just put that on her already, and it was just like that is no different than anyone else. It was just so weird. Um, but the other uh, black contestant, they're friends, by the way, and Sophie uh, Petit Ferrer, uh, she even talks about how she just didn't like that trope on the show. And you could see it was hard for them, like literally. And in Colony, it was hard for them to connect with people because, like, they were one of the few black women who were up there. And they weren't even involved in, like, the, the you know, a plot of the episodes or the audience couldn't really even form much of a thought towards them because they weren't even getting screen time. So, like, consider that. Like, that isn't... um cool at all because why are you on the show if you're not gonna get screen time why are you on the show if you aren't going to like get connected and they aren't going to do the due diligence by making sure that they match you with someone and making sure that you have options or making sure that you know it's just it's sad to see and they ended up leaving they end up leaving the show and um I honestly just think they did what was best for them because a lot of times um they just have to do what's for you and just a lot of things about this that just left me feeling like dating shows are just not for black women but it's just not tailored for us or people who are I guess like not considered socially acceptable I just think that uh they just need to start we should start making shows for us like I don't know of any like you know progressive dating show that's like geared towards like women of color I just think like it's very interesting how this goes um but it's something that you see often either a lot of times black women or women of color they get voted off early or they just like you know because in this case they were eliminated but they were like happy to go and that's ridiculous I don't think they even tried at a certain point I think they mentioned that on their own TikToks because I don't want to like misquote the um article but this is Marie Claire again this is strong black woman never had a chance on perfect match but I don't even watch that show never have again I don't feel like the shows are really catered for us and I say this in the sense of like I'm able to understand my worth I understand like you know dealing with people who are thinking in the way oh these are my preferences and preferences to them are shallow and physical yeah they don't treat them like preferences people just treat them very exclusionary they're like oh this is what I like I tend to like this but um I don't go outside of that and that's not how preferences are set up to be it shouldn't be exclusionary. It should be like, oh, I normally gravitate to this group or whatever the case may be, but I'm open to all. But a lot of times you see that that's not the case for a lot of people and they use preferences in a very exclusionary and exclusive way. And it's just not, that's not what the definition of it is. Like that's not, it's not, it's not working. <laughs> but um, I think that's something that's to be talked about. And I think, there should be a platform or some sort of show that's just like 
you know, that caters to like, you know, the black young adults where they can, you know, go up there and date where that's like women of color too, because it's very interesting. But I mostly talk about black women specifically in this case, because black women are usually the ones that are excluded. And you notice like other people who either mixed or of a different ethnicity, they're not typically excluded, but there is that little bit of distance where they're othered. And so like, that's, that's the case where, you know, bikes can come in, but they're not like as excluded as black women are. And it's very interesting to see and to see it play out on dating shows. And I think you can watch and literally pick any dating show and you can see the difference um, between each and every woman and how like people are depicting and how different people are um, just really talked about. Um, so definitely look into that. And I think mainly black men go where you're loved. <laughs> That's my biggest thing. Like this trope of like, Oh, like making black women the butt of the joke or just something that's so normalized with the media like we're tired of it and I you see it all the time like people are tired of the straw black woman trope people are tired of over sexualization like people are just tired like go where you're loved and respected and that may be different from what you've always known but go where you're loved and respected and you know it doesn't have to mean that you have to like you know date outside your race because of that common you know trope of black men wanting to date outside the race there's plenty of black men that do date black women we just have to very much like find those people it's just a lot of fodder not a mess in between there because it's a a large portion of them who do do that and they do practice a lot of colorism and really want to exclude black women but it's important to know go where you're loved go where you're respected and that includes partners careers shows platforms whatever the case may be like go where you're loved because honestly if your self-esteem is right it will reflect that and I really just hope that black women are able to just be treated better and especially that be demonstrated on live television because most of the time that is not the case so I'm to the end of my time very much loved talking with y'all any questions like literally like whatever you have to discuss even if you have like more more like sources scholarly sources let's talk about it because I think there's a real conversation to be had here and there should be something done about it so we could have some more progressive dating shows so there's actual uh, improvement so we can move beyond what we've already seen in sociological studies what we've already seen in real life so yeah Bye, bunny outs.